Hey, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Villalucci Podcast. Honest, uncensored, and unedited discussions about life and everything in it. So sit back, relax, and let's start the show. No, it's not that right. 50-50, made the bad choice. There we go. There we That's a peek behind yeah. the curtain. Um, so, Tracy Forsyth. Oh, Forsyth, you're not any uh, relation? To Bruce? Yeah. No, but spelling, actually when I'm... It? No, it's not actually. When I try to... Sp- you wouldn't believe how difficult Forsyth is if you're trying to explain to somebody over the phone, Tracy Forsyth. <laughs> yeah. It's like I've had S-O-R-F. You know, and so it's like I often say... Forsyth, as in Bruce Forsyth. Right, but actually, suppose, yeah. you know, there's a demographic now that yeah, don't that know don't who, know. <laughs> who Bruce Forsyth are. <laughs> who? So, who? Yeah, exactly. I was on a date once with somebody, and it was one of the moments in my life I thought, oh, that age group's gone. Because I was talking about Tom Jones, and she didn't know who the hell he was. But I saw the look in her face, and I like, what are you talking about? He's on The Voice now, surely they must. Uh... Oh, this is 10 years ago. Oh, okay. so I think that was when he was in. That was post, post reload, but pre voice. She's probably thinking, now, <laughs> oh, that's that guy that fellow was talking about. Yeah, where were that day with that guy? But I, just, I thought, oh, this is too. Because she's definitely treasured that memory. Because it got to about eight years gap, and I thought, nah, it's too. It, it, the, the age gap was too big. But I was in the nightclub in industry so it doesn't really matter yeah. the age so Forsyth what, where's that from Forsyth is a Scottish Welsh? Scottish oh, name Scottish. yeah oh yeah. I said you were Welsh the other week yeah I'm not Welsh at all <laughs> I don't I, know where that came from I, I am I, actually half Welsh my dad is Welsh yeah what's so your dad's surname? Edwards oh is that a Welsh name yeah, yeah. well I thought, yeah I thought Fawn was a Welsh name but I remember there was another guy I worked with and he was the Welsh fellow <laughs> it just plonked it to me yeah, yeah but I thought Fawn was where's Fawn 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 okay so Isn't I spend Fawn my life telling people is that your surname? Th, yeah. Fawn. Yeah. Yeah. So if, people were thinking th. So, there was like so that's th. No. <laughs> no. Nobody. <laughs> I think it was is Fawn. it Fawn like the thing in Narnia? Oh, yeah. oh uh, no. W. So it's uh, like a baby deer. Oh yeah. So uh, Mr. Tumnus is F A U N, but uh, Fawn baby deer is F A W N. Okay. Fawn uh, as in baby deer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so. like Bambi. Yes. So you're Bambi. Yes. Oh, hey. Andrew Bambi. Yeah. Do you know what? I'd never... Is that the first person that's ever said that? Uh, probably not. That's got to be your nickname. <laughs> no, that, that's my nickname from now so on. From now on well, I used to have glasses, so it was Harry Potter. And you're quite a sweet guy as well. Oh, fair enough. Bambi. Yeah. There we See, go. I, if I was going to do first. a sort of Alan Partridge moment here, I could say, is your, was your mother murdered in a <laughs> Mama Fawn is alive and well. I hope. I hope. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna, I'm so, Tracy, call her off. Thank yes. you for coming on to the show. You're welcome. Thanks um, for having me. So, we're going to get to your. Oh, I can't remember acronyms. The WF. Women on Film and Television. WFTV. Yeah. yeah. Is that a full time role? No. No, no. Oh, okay. But so you were previously an executive for BBC Worldwide? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask you about that. I'm going to go back to how you got into it. but that's quite a broad thing. It was, yeah. It was so a like, big, how do you broad folk, role. What are the countries that, I mean, there must be a specific, you can't be all the countries of the, that have TV. <laughs> well, I mean, like, is it, it European was, countries? It would be. If they were in the market for content, it would be, yeah. So, um, no, my role there was looking after um, heading up factual entertainment, entertainment and formats, which is quite a big brief yeah, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I looked after everything from, original commissioning for our global channels portfolio because outside of the um because yeah, when you, I heard an interview you were saying BBC Earth and BBC this I think didn't even know there was that many I thought there was BBC yes. 3 and that was Yeah the... yeah yeah so outside of the outside of the UK BBC worldwide it's now called BBC Studios has lots of channels right. in different countries and it's a way of 
um, basically making more, one, spreading the BBC work yeah. around the world and, um, you know, spreading that brand around the world. But also it's a way of making more money out of the content that is paid for by the license fee here. And and it's sold around the rest of the, the rest of the world, and then what happens is that the prof, any profit that BBC Worldwide or BBC mm-hmm. Studios make goes back into supporting uh, the license fee. Right. So that that is the that that so BBC Worldwide is the commercial arm of. So the what BBC. were you doing right before then? Right, what before you my doing last specific job. genres. No, before the BBC Be- Worldwide. Before BBC Worldwide. Well, I had two jobs at BBC Worldwide. I went into BBC Worldwide to be um, uh, the VP of commissioning, which was a, a, a new role. And I went in to start up a little commissioning team to create original content for those uh Worldwide channels. You start this with someone your first day of doing, like you go right. The, there's are the countries. Yeah. What do you? And do you we, go, had, we had we po- had countries as diverse as Poland, Australia, Hong Kong, South Africa, um, did, and the Nordic. So have well, you got somebody answering to you, who's the head of Polish? They don't necessarily answer to me. I, it was um, because in each of those countries, there's a head of programming, right? Um, and so the the it, it's quite tricky, really, to work out what is the kind of content that works. Every, That's what I mean, anywhere. Because we've got to figure out. Yeah, <laughs> it's so vast. Yeah. What your well, mom? what they? I mean, what they were all. Um, wanting uh were well the one program that worked absolutely everywhere was can you guess top what it gear. was strictly top gear oh, yeah. top gear well actually strict, from mexico strictly <laughs> strictly works everywhere as a format so right, what yeah. they don't want to watch is the our uk celebrities yeah, of course. they want to yeah, have yeah, yeah. that format with their own celebrities are, yeah. so that is a huge worldwide so is success. dancing with the stars yes because i know it's the yes. u.s version but is that actually oh Yes. Owned by BBC worldwide, yes, exactly, okay, and it's fine, made by the BBC in America. Yeah, because I yeah. assume so because it's got Bruno on it and Len. Is that right? Yeah, le- uh, Len. Which one? One of them is. Um, I think Len still does the American version. He just doesn't do the UK version. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of the judges from the Strictly version also do. So Strictly yeah. is the UK yeah. one, and then Dancing with the Stars is the American one. Oh, okay, but because I've always wondered, I thought, is that just because obviously you can't form, you can't copyright that kind of format to no and actually you know like strictly come dancing i mean um is in something like 55 different territories but do they do the same dancing or is it very specific to that country Um, a lot a lot of the time it's the same dancing sometimes one of the the best versions or most popular versions is in india it's called jalak something 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 and obviously there's a lot of bollywood influence right yeah of course yeah. um and well, but, i mean bold ballroom's fairly universal so it sort of goes yeah. yeah or am i not but it yes it is i mean you know if you think about all those dance a lot of those um well, the dancers are sat- from it? south america aren't they yeah, yeah. Uh, tango sure. and uh, all salsa and can't have those skirt- salsa skirts on the bbc <laughs> they do you do can. Salsa. yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so to answer your question, it's 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 not easy to set out from a start the start to say yes, I want something that's going to appeal to everything in the world. Yeah. But there are certain things that certain hold parameters right, that yeah. hold true. So certain topics and certain uh, universal themes. So you'd look for very th- simple themes, and also what they wanted, what those global programmers wanted, was uh, returnable formats and th- uh, things that they could repeat. Yeah. Um, so there were certain parameters yeah. and uh, so it's not completely, you're not completely working So like a up. David Attenborough thing, that's perfect because that doesn't matter what country you're in, it just goes out with different languages. Everybody likes polar bears. Yes. But you don't have to do nothing to it, it's just <clears throat> subtitles. 
And well, the yeah, in, in some places they would... Um, some countries would have the planet Earth to the planet Earths and the big David Attenborough series, but would never have heard of David Attenborough because they would revoice right, okay. it with their own version yeah, of David yeah. Attenborough. Ah, oh, oh, right. Okay. So um, obviously he's he's got royal status, hasn't he, yeah, in the yeah, UK, right. and quite rightly so. So, what but, TV do you like? Like, what do you watch? Um, well, over actually, a year, uh, what type of program? Well, well, at the moment, I um, I love lots of dramas. So I've just been gripped by Luther. I love a good, you know, um, murder mystery. But the other, the thing that I really, really love is uh, um, half-hour comedies. So, um, which I do. <laughs> so I love things like um, people just do nothing. Um, I love. Um, it's very good. Yeah. Inside Number Nine, League of Gentlemen. Um, I love uh, um, this country. So that's oh, me for my country. my own personal thing, and also because I, if I'm travelling, um, even commuting. You know, a half-hour comedy is just perfect for your yeah. commute. But, you know, I love... I mean, I, I honestly have such a broad... You know, I love the big feature documentaries. Um, what about movies? Love, what films have you been to see? Movies recently, yeah. Well, I... I, I Queen. You've got to see... A re- Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, fantastic. Love, absolutely. Fantastic. That, I mean, I'm a massive Freddie Mercury oh, okay. and Queen fan anyway, but I thought Rami Malek was extraordinary. Yeah. Have you seen the, the Lauren Hardy trailer? Uh, no, I've seen, I've I've got seen got a few watch. images of that. Yeah. I, have to, I saw the guy that was playing him that I recognised from another film. John C. Riley or Steve Coogan? I don't know his name. I Steve Coogan? No, the, the, the... John C. Riley. Oh, yeah. is it John C. Riley? Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's the character I've just yeah. assumed that that was sort of like hard. But, uh, this it's kind of amazing. goes back to our conversation before I think we started rolling about Tom Jet. I'm like, how many people probably in their 20s yeah. know who Lauren Well, Lauren I think are? it's really funny because the, the, the hit um, Netflix film at the moment is called Bird Box. I don't know whether you've seen it. It's is all it, over social media. Blindfolded. And, and yeah, the st- it's, it's basically that there is these, this horrible virus that comes to earth and if you see it, it makes you want to kill yourself. So there are mass suicides. And the only way to survive it is just to not see it. So everybody wears blindfolds. And Sandra Bullock is the lead in that. Right. And there's a whole generation of people who are on Twitter who don't know who Sandra Bullock is, and Sandra they're going, Bullock. that lady from that lady from Bird Box. And actually, they were saying oh, that lady my. from Bird Box looks a lot like Michael Jackson. And <laughs> That's unkind. Well, because she, t- she tends to take quite periodic breaks, doesn't she? But it was like, it and then there's like. a whole load of other people who would know who Sandra Bullock mm. was, who was going, get, you know, answering back on Twitter going, don't refer to her as the lady from Bird Box. This is a woman who's yeah. got an amazing track. She's won an Oscar. Very She's won an Oscar, isn't she? Gravity, yes, yeah, but if that, that's how fast it moves. Isn't it? There's whole yeah, yeah, yeah. demographics that don't know who... People are. People are becoming very myopic. But, you know, in like, movies, I mean, I love all kinds of, you know, I like, uh, actually, because my husband's part of BAFTA. <clears> so we, I was lucky enough to, um, he gets a whole pile of DVDs around this time of year with all the new all movies. The screeners so it? all yeah. over Christmas, we were able to watch some amazing movies. One of my favorites was actually, is actually called The Favourite. It's about, um, it's got Olivia Coleman, who's brilliant, um, and uh, uh, Rachel Weiss and Emma Stone. And it's about Queen Anne who used to run the country and her two favorite, she had two favorite mm. women, Sarah Churchill and her cousin. Oh there. yeah. So the Marlborough lady. Yeah. 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 So her, um, so Sarah Churchill was married to, that's not to be too, Oh, she's the wife the, of but historical names. Yeah. So her. she was married to John Churchill, who is an ancestor Duke. of Winston. Yeah. And was the, the, the he, they got given Blenheim palace. Really? So basically Sarah Churchill. Yeah. Because basically he, um, Britain was sort of a, second third rate power at that yeah. point and then it took part in these wars in europe at the time it just keep get it was part of all these failed alliances and everything and then marlborough 
he wasn't Marlborough to begin with, um, but he was just a good general, won all these victories. But because he kept winning, they kept the war going and okay. it kept making him rich. I mean, he wasn't doing oh, anything that anyone else wasn't doing. Yeah. Um, but he just kept winning and winning and winning. And so they just kept giving him more and more money. So And they gave him Blenheim. Yeah, Blenheim they gave Palace. him, which is still, I think it's at one point it made him sort of the richest man in the world and all of this and everything. But he really got it because his wife yeah. was the favorite, lover, yeah. the yeah. favourite and lover of Queen Anne. Oh, okay. And this story is about... A new woman well, coming to court. I thought it was court. a comedy or something. It's, 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 it's funny. It's historically but it, real. It's historically oh, real. Right, okay. And there's a newcomer who basically hmm. usurps right. the, the, the um, girlfriend and becomes the new favourite. It's fascinating. I went to um, Windsor for the first time a couple of years ago, a few years ago. Right, and there's a restaurant right by the, the castle. What do you think about the castle? I've never been to Windsor. I've seen, I've seen pictures. Oh, I've never been. It's I one of those things you go, be oh, that sort of. Are you not impressed? No, I just find it offensive that that's what? in modern life. Because we it was a bloody great big wall. It's tourist money. But that's, you stay out, this is our property, you've paid for it, and you can't... Is it not open to the public, Windsor? No, but I mean, it's not really, you can't just, it's not... Yeah, but how does anyone I own anything? We're going to get back into was, this thing, but how does anyone own anything? Yeah? No, it was the, it's the my iconography of what a castle you know, My private house for. people can't come into. Yeah, yeah. I just, I think of the, the look, the feel of it. Just that energy of the, the big, big castle. Like when I, I was going uh, over East London to Central London the other day, and as you come over the, oh, I can't remember what the tunnel is, and you see all the skyscrapers, and I said to somebody, they're castles. Like they look, they're modern day castles. You can't go in there. That's where all the power is. If you try and get in there, you'll be murdered. You can't just run in. But well, that's also because it's a place of business. Like it's not no, but I mean, it's, it's a castle as in a thousand years ago. It's the yeah. same. That, but so to me, that's offensive. Now, I know I've come from a bad background, so I try not to be that person. Yeah, but then what, but where I are people still... meant to do their work? It's also skyscrapers save you space. No, I wasn't specifically having to go at them, but I was saying they are modern day castles. Like that's a castle. Yeah. That, it's that, that thing still exists where there's the power up in there. But the walls next to that, the energy of that, big thick mm. concrete wall mm. I thought that's still there we're not laughing at it it's not like a museum like Buckingham these places still exist mm. like, I still find it funny when you say um, oh who we the royals the kids I don't know who's who William yeah or when and his her. wife and they've gone to so and so castle and think oh people still live in these castles yeah. Yeah. and to me that thing that's I still find it offensive and I didn't like the royal family because I was poor and they, they yeah. said that but then I went against it and I thought no that's very silly like you should, the people you know whatever but now when you start when I saw that big wall I thought you didn't it's like the castle. Yeah. That's how it is. Like that. yeah and I was trying not to be that person so I don't think I am but I just think he's got a sort of I guess a, that was I don't know the history of Windsor Castle but presumably a big wall is um, a line of defence against yeah, attack. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is. So it's probably more about that than... Well, I'm sure there was a lot of, like, but keep the whole I think I'm out, more thinking was... that was representative of the whole thing of the castles that you, they live there and the Buckingham Palace thing. Uh, to me, I still find that effect, that big gate. Yeah. It's not a museum anymore. That would be a beautiful thing. There's a history. Yeah. It's still there. It's Do still not come in. But there's, also sure. a, there's also a security element to that because they yeah, are no, not of terrorism, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I think... Anyway, we're getting off the yeah. <laughs> subject. For, for me, I actually quite. I was wondering when you're commissioning these things, how much of you is going? This is not a program I would watch, but I know that this is good for this market. Like, how much do you have to wrestle with that when you're? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I've commissioned at other places, and uh, so for 
you know, when I was at UKTV, I was commissioning for um, a channel called Good Food. Mm. Now that's very, that's very much my what I would want to watch. And and another one called uh, Home, which is about property, which was less so about me. So you do, do you do, you do, and a little bit for Dave, which is you know male skewing. Yeah. So you you definitely put yourself in the mind of the viewer. Um, it's so- not necessarily just your particular taste. But I mean, uh, 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 BBC Worldwide. I mean, it, it, the con- content that we had uh, to commission just needed to appeal to a very wide audience. So, I mean, you know, it's 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 that. I guess that's part of the fun is that in commissioning, if it were really easy, people would just commission hits all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> and, yes, um, it's not perfect. It's, and it's, yeah. not, it's it's not the, the difficulties <clears throat> with commissioning is that you know you work with producers, they come up with brilliant ideas and then people have, we got to make those and often what's written on paper and the thing that's on pitch, right, yeah. you've actually got to go down and actually make it, you know, and things don't go according to plan and then you, you know, you work together to make it the best it can be. Some things are a real surprise and absolutely fantastic and some programs that you put your blood, sweat and tears in just tank, just you know, so that, that's the, the, the <laughs> difficulty of it. But I mean, ultimately it has to be something that, you know, fires you up yeah. and makes you laugh. You know, it's, yeah. it has to be entertaining. And a lot of the content that I would do is both, you know, it needs to be both entertaining, but also not educational because that sounds too heavy, but you need to be, find it interesting and... Um, Edutainment. Le- educate. Edutainment, yes. Yeah. Edutainment. Yeah. So what I like to do with the podcast, we do have successful people on it. Now, the, my thing is it's, it's a utilitarian thing, really. It's, I like to find out how people started because then you don't have that putting people on um, periscopes. Yeah. <laughs> we are on periscope, but and we love you. But yeah. um, so, like, how did you before any media? Where did you start off? Where were you born? Um, I was born in the north of England, in Chester. But oh. my parents at the t- you know my my parents lived and worked abroad, so we were living in Nigeria at the time. Oh, and wow. my but my mother wanted to have me in the UK. So my dad said, where do you want to have her? And Oh, they didn't know it was a her. Um, and so she said Chester. She'd always liked Chester. So, so she came back to have me here. But I grew up in lots of different countries. Um, yeah, see, this is what I was going to say. Have you got a, a sort of background in a lot of different countries? I do. My mother's your... Chinese from mainland China. Oh. My, yeah, my dad's from Liverpool. <laughs> and I grew up in the Middle East and Africa. Oh, yeah. So, right. So you do have a sort of worldly views sort of thing yeah 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 yeah. but you grew up in england no i grew well i grew up until the age of eight um we are living abroad so i lived in uh, oman beirut lagos um why were you moving around it's an army thing from my dad's my dad's um work and then um i uh went to boarding school from the age of eight in the uk because where we were there weren't really uh, many developed schools um so I went off to board. I have an older brother who also went off to a different school and then in the holidays we would go out it was very glamorous you know it was brilliant you know at the end uh, we would always go out to hot countries in the yeah, holidays yeah. which is fabulous how was boarding yeah, school for you you know what I, I think I when I now hear about all the horrible stories yeah. that uh, that people I, I think I look back and think I was must have been very very lucky um, you know I went to an all-girls school from the age of eight until 15 and then um I had had enough of being in an all-girls school, said to my parents, I want to go to a mixed school. And luckily they sort of said, okay, well, do the research and, you know, off you go. Do you think, think, um, again, this is me just throwing this out there, isn't it the better way to be to have separate sex schools? Isn't it too much in a mix? 
to have at the same time. No, I don't. I don't think so because no? I I think I the, those years from eight. Uh, although I had a brother who I saw in the holidays, I think you know going to a single sex school for me made me really really awkward. Made a big mystery oh, okay, out of right. boys. You know, so and education, I think, it was good, but then I don't socia- think it was. I honestly don't no, think it was it any better. And now I've got but kids; they more- both go to mix. Mix. I would. Del- it's. A, it would be ultimately, I suppose, up to them if they had a, if they were old enough to make a choice. But we, I think, I wouldn't want them to go to personally right, okay. because I think um, the real world is mixed. Right. Yeah. yeah. And um, you know, yes, you I, 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 I don't know. There are lots of pluses about that girl, girl school, but I'm. I think, I'm more thinking about the. The girls will be fine with the guys. I'm thinking the guys with the girls. If you took the girls out of the mix, would the guys do better? But I suppose, what's the, what's the thing? Is, is anybody saying anything about that? Or is it not really a thing? There's Don't probably know. been some study. If there probably has, yeah. So you left boarding school. Yeah. What happened then? Well, actually, you, you asked it, wanted to know how I got into it. Oh, and well, I remember at five, there used to be this program called Nation... Five years? Five years old. You remember being five? Yeah, I remember watching this show called Nationwide. Which was used to be the show. You, I don't know it why you're nodding. You it rings a bell. Yeah. I'm probably seeing clips. It's, it was sort of like the kind of six thirty show, you know, like um, before the, or maybe it was five thirty before the news or after the news. It was just like a, it was a show about um, what was going on in the right. nation, and uh, I just remember thinking, oh, that's what I want to be. I want to be a newsreader. Ah, oh, okay. And then actually, after uh, when I was th- a newsreader, that's what I wanted. Then <laughs> I wanted. But that's I, an odd thing to a new, not an actress, not a. No, that's what you that you asked me how I wanted to get started. That's what it was. I think what what was you what, what who else did you like? Why because that? I saw this guy. That's what I was going to say. The there was somebody you saw. Whatever. Yeah, nationwide, nationwide, and I thought that's what I want to do. Right. And then when I got to thirteen. I remember having a careers talk and uh, at school, and I thought, actually, you know, what I really want to be is a producer director because at thirteen, at thirteen, yeah, <laughs> I, I know. Be in charge. But I, well, I didn't want to be in charge. I wanted to be because at that time, I thought there's nothing that I can think of that, that was more exciting than being around cameras right. and things happening and lights and right. action. Yeah. And so it went from wanting at five to be. You know, right. you're on the box I'll to actually be part of that. to being yeah. part of that, yeah. and that never really changed. Oh, okay. That never changed. So I already always knew that I wanted to be. So in when television. did you start steering towards that sort of thing? When I uh, well, I tried to get whatever work experience I could, um, and that was mainly in radio. And then um, you know, when I went to uni and did a, you know, found out what kind of degree I should do to get into. You know, and back then it was like just do a general arts degree um so and when I was at uni I did I got involved in acting and directing mm. um and and I did a lot of photography um and then you know when I graduated I you were like st- c- still kept get, trying to get work experience work experience work experience so you studied you did a, a degree in arts it was yeah I did philosophy <clears throat> history and French okay. sort of general I mean in those days the advice was if you want to go into television, you know, you've got to be able to write and you've got to be able to, uh, you know, amass lots of information and yeah. sub it down. And, you know, you just, you know, I, and I still think today, you know, in terms of television, a lot of kind of research jobs is that you just need to be quite nimble with yeah. information. Right. You know, you need to be able to yeah. be able to extract interesting information and present it. Think about how you're going to present it yeah. back. Um, 
so yeah so after university i did whatever i could to try and to try and get a job in telly um and what how were you paying your bills at this time would you live with your parents would you s- i was living with my parents yeah did you have any odd little jobs at Woolworths yes. or anything like oh, that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I to normalise what your life. So. Oh, yeah, no, I worked. I worked whenever I could. So, you know, uh, it, you know, much from a much younger age, actually, not at university, but I did, uh, you know, washing dishes. I worked in the... Um, at this time, my parents had moved back to the UK and we were living in nowhere, in the middle of nowhere in Wales. <clears throat> but I would work down in the bakery um, in a Welsh bakery selling bread and making they had a brilliant little cafe you know and I love all that baked potato. do you remember anything like how much was the bread do you remember anything how was the tea oh the bread, bread so was you're the girl a, behind the till I was the, well the serving I was the one behind the counter well everything you did everything yeah, so you would get in the morning the, all the shelves would be filled up with this amazing bread yeah. you know how good bread smells yeah oh. and also we would have cream cakes oh. and, and so you'd have that and a lot of, obviously it was a Welsh village, so a lot of uh, Welsh customers. And then it was like a tea room as well. So you'd have the, I love that place, you know, you'd have the kitchen and you would be making things like toasted sandwiches, jacket potatoes, yeah. you know, you know, just delicious. And, and then mm. one of the best things was, well, one, it was very busy and quick, which was brilliant. But the other thing was, is that you got to take home the oh, stuff no, at the end say, of the day. Yeah. So I was taking home, you know, loaves of bread and then all the cream cakes. So that went home to my dad. So my dad would just have like three or four cream cakes for his supper. And then after a while, you know, put on a stone. And then it was like no more cream cakes. But our freezer was full of bread for donkeys yes and then the one of the other interesting jobs I had when I was trying to get into television, which was which was hard is that um, I I just can't sit around. So I applied to Marks and Spencer's for a holiday job and I got a job in the lingerie department and um I uh which was brilliant you know dressing gowns this that and the other but also I became a bra fitter measuring bras measuring people for bras why do people not know that I've heard like why would somebody else have to measure you for a bra because you don't know what you're what? Well, you two don't have this you wouldn't know yeah, your size yeah most people most you women just get are a pro- tape measure didn't you there's a, a statistic that most women think they're a 32B and most people aren't 32B. Oh, it's, it's quite a, a complicated thing okay. because it's it's not only your rib cage, it's also, you know, your yeah. cup size and all that kind of thing. It's a bit like saying, you know, why don't men know their collar size? Because it's, hard no, no, it's harder than that because by the time you've done undone it and taken yeah. it off, you've probably added or subtracted. Oh, I suppose, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I, was, I always worked as much as I could. Yeah. I, lo- I loved it. Loved it. Any other little jobs you had? Your bakery? I mean that—that's a bakery, dishwasher. bar, for, yeah, dishwasher. Where was uh, that for? That you know, that was for the local posh restaurant. You know, um, <laughs> just watching. How long did you do it for? <laughs> well, whatever the holidays were. Oh, it was just off yeah, and on. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So you mean on to, in terms of um, before I got into yeah, television? Yeah, I was just a lot yeah, that was it. Was mainly Marks and Spencers. Bar, bra fitting and lingerie. And so the middle of nowhere still had a Marks and Spencers. <laughs> well, actually, this was Chester. We, we, yeah. I had to drive. Well, I, in order to have a job, I had to drive from, you know, where we lived in the middle of Wales, like 40 minutes to Chester, park the car, you know, get there for whatever, 6.45. So then media, the you see, you started, you left. Yeah, so really, you know, I, I applied back then, uh, you know, I, I was applying to everything I could. I saw an advert in the Media Guardian yeah, where um, were you getting jobs then? Like, where do you look? Guardian? Well, you have to ring people up. The, the yeah, only place really up. was the Media Guardian. So I, uh, 
apart from my, I suppose, local. Papers. I suppose, like before, you could just walk. You would walk into shops and say, "Can I have? Have you got a job? Have you got a job?" So you, so you just, you are just phoning people. Yeah, random companies yeah. that are just saying, "Can we?" This is before the days of the internet. Yeah, really. so yeah. And so you're just phoning up big companies. And yeah, saying, oh, well. yeah, cold call. So, um, that, but there was an ad in the Media Guardian for training researcher runners for a lunchtime live show that was going to go out from Ebervale, the Ebervale Garden Festival. So that's in um, South Wales. Right. And so I applied to that. And, you know, I uh, I got an interview. Where did you go for the interview? I had to go down to Cardiff, I guess. And the train broke down or got delayed. Oh, no. way. Ah, first. But I, I think I we must have had, I don't think we had mobile phones in those days, but I was able to get a message somehow to them to say I was late. And then I got in. And then that was one of five places um, that they had. They had four oh, okay. runners. Yeah. And it was like 1,500 people had applied. Oh, and I just remember leaving that interview saying, you know, if I get this job, I'll just be the happiest person. And can you remember the interview back then? Yeah. Like, what yeah. was it? How, so how are you? Yeah, blah, blah. It was like no. three people interviewing me. Oh, no, and I, I mean, if you think about it, they were interviewing for trainee researcher runner. Right. So, you know. But three people for that? Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, how old are you at this point? I must have been 22. Oh, okay. 21 or 22. And you walked in, there's three people staring at you. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. They, they, I mean, they just asked, you know, stuff like, what would you do if things went wrong? You know, because you were going to be involved right, with yeah. the, getting the guests, you know, obviously quite simple questions. Um, and when did you find out? Have you got it? When I got, when I got back, probably a couple of days later. Okay. And I remember just, you know, Doing I, I think I actually just said to him, Oh my God, you know, there is a God, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm so, I'm so, you know, it's like one of those things that you think if I get this job, I'll be good for the rest yeah, of my that's life. It's all you know? <laughs> yeah. a, it's a good leap, it's a big So just to tie it into obviously women and film and TV, was it by any chance three men doing the interviews? Or it was, was two it? men and a woman. Oh yeah. wow, okay. All yeah. smoking. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, the woman, the woman was from HR. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> just In to make sure the boys behave. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I think that they just, that's a BBC board. I think you generally yeah. have three people, yeah. So what happened? So how did things uh, go on from then? Brilliant. So you know, got... absolutely brilliant. I, I just have, it's been, abs- it's an absolutely brilliant industry so I've always worked I most of my life worked as a freelancer which I think very early on gave me that um you know that hustle because I I really quickly very learned that you know a third of it is hard work a third of it is talent and a third of it is getting yourself the next job yeah I mean you gotta hustle because so and I was always on short-term contracts which meant you know months before your contract ended, you were looking for your next job. I would never take a holiday unless I, there was a gap between one contract ending and another yeah. starting. But I loved it. I loved it. And I did all kinds of things. So after that, I came down to London um, and uh, got a job at what's, G- it's called GMTV now, um, the, the Lorraine show. And then I did things like an audience discussion show called The Time, The Place. And I did all kinds of things. You know, I did... Um, studio entertainment shows so big shiny floor shows i did audience discussion shows i did um history documentaries all 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 i suppose factual uh and factual fact and and entertainment shows and it was brilliant i mean i honestly think you know you meet so many different people you work on so many different things um the 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 bbc so the one i went to 
was in London, but then they, BBC split to Manchester, didn't it, or something? It's got uh, different regional yeah. offices, yeah. So I, I didn't just work for the BBC, I worked for lots of different um, independent companies oh, okay. who either made stuff for the BBC or or ITV or Channel 4 or whoever. So when you're commissioning things, who? how do people get to the, to the, the commissioners? Do you have to go, <coughs> go through a production company or do the BBC normally, have applications yeah. that go through? Yeah, you, I mean, you normally work, as a commissioner, you normally work with production companies. I have in the past right. worked with individuals who then, <clears throat> who had a brilliant idea or who, who were linked to particular talent. Right, okay. Um, and then they create a little company in order to make that programme. So you've um, had lots of good times with all that sort of stuff. Any bad times in there? Any tough times? It's just been pretty good. Not really. You know, I've had such a... You what know, about so shows I, that haven't worked out? Things oh, yeah, no, in that country. There have, been loads, there have been shows that haven't worked out. Nothing that's really tanked. But, right. but you know what? I, I have really enjoyed the journey. Yeah, of course. And I've really enjoyed the making of it. Because I've worked all over the world as well. You know, I did one show called 50, Things to, 50 Places to See Before You Die. And so I... I I went all over, not not to 50, because we couldn't shoot them all, yeah. but, you know, one summer or whatever, I went all over the world shooting extra- into extraordinary places. And then the next year, we did 50 Things to Do Before You Die. So you were filming it? Yeah, I was you the, the direct, producer, director, oh, yeah. Right. I was going to so, say, what's after have you actually, like, gone out and done yourself? So that was one of them. Yes. Oh, what do you mean, like, as a... Like actually making the shows. Make, sort of oh thing. yeah, look, I made lots oh. of shows. So I've made lots of shows from you know Crime Watch, Watchdog. Is Crime 50. Watch still on? No, it stopped now. I think oh, they're going on. to What's a daily show or something. They have, like. they have Crime Watch is the road show, isn't it? No, Watchdog is sort of the consumer. Oh, Anne Robinson. Yeah, yeah so that's Anne the Robinson. One, yeah. So is yeah. Crime Watch still on? I think they have a road show. It's a road show. Something. Yeah, road show. What's that? What do you mean? Is that the daytime one? Yeah, I think I'm not sure if it's still on crime or if it's watch. just seasonal. Yeah, well, so that was a you know, Crime Watch was blooming fascinating to work on. I did this that had to go to South Wales um, and do a reconstruction of a 1970s murder of two girls, oh, God. young girls who'd gone out for a night um, in uh, Swansea, I think it was, and had been picked up after um, they'd. They were coming, going home um, by a man in a white van. And then the next morning, they were both found dead in a copse by the side of the road. They'd both been raped and strangled. And so, you know, we, we did a... Um, and 30 years later, whatever, still nobody knew who had done it. And so, you know, we interviewed... You know, that One of the girls had four sisters. So you're interviewing them and you're having to be very sensitive about what is still traumatic but at the same time get interesting pieces of um interview out yeah. of them to make a compelling film we had all the <clears throat> old old um cars out and all the un- uniforms so we you oh, know, went right. back yeah, to the nightclub etc yeah. etc et um so th- i mean that was and and just in the in, in between times you know you go and you read all the witness statements and you know you have to put this thing together and you meet all the detectives and a lot of the detectives were still there and those there was men on this one but they were absolutely fascinating the stories that they had and the yeah, things that they'd seen and that's quite um, an odd thing to film, isn't it? Because you're there to film like it's acting, really. You're filming a, a you've scene. You've got actors, yeah. But at the same time, you, it's a real... A real so thing, really powerful. Relax. And you're in this little copse where those poor girls died. Yeah. And what, what will haunt me forever is that one was found dead here and one was found very, very near to the road. So what they reckoned is that one of them had kind of woken up and run for it and hadn't oh, quite God. made it. 
And then you, you know, you think that the sisters knew that and mm. you think that they're thinking my sister was running for her life yeah, to didn't make it. So you, I mean, it's a lot of bringing things back up and yeah. to film something that they're going to see. Yeah. I mean, you always wouldn't want to watch it, would you, if you were the family member? Probably not. Probably yeah, I not. can't imagine yeah. you would. Yeah. I think that would you be just very, talking about yeah. it. Yeah. You know, it's a bit, that's a bit much than if, you know, oh, my dad's shop got robbed They, they did eventually find who that person oh, was, yeah, through the DNA of another family member, another family, a younger family member must have done something, I don't know why, how they had his or her DNA, yeah. and it matched the DNA of the murderer, and they, uh, this guy had already died, um, so they, I think they, they had to exhume him to check that it matched, and then they found that the guy had already died, and the car, this white car that nobody could find, they did this massive search for, was was still there, you know, I think they... How many of those did you do, the crime watch? I did, uh, I must have done about four or five films for them. Um, so what were you, were you sort of feeling it out? Were you, what, how, what was your like, reason for doing that compared to that? Is it just the job? I just would like, you know, I just, just wanted to do stuff. it all. It's like oh, when a contract okay. finished, I wanted the next thing. You know, one of the, you know, I did a brilliant, a brilliant series called Living Dangerously, which is about the most dangerous jobs in the world. You know, you had to go to New York and go to the top of an unfinished skyscraper and film those iron workers. You know, when well, you, they're all yeah, off you, there. you literally had to climb up the the, the, the yeah, ladder yeah, to no get way. to the top. And when you're first up there, it, you are clinging, yeah. clinging on to anything. Your DNA in the is just saying, grab something and hold on. Yeah, but by the end, you're actually super confident and can I walk really around. Out yeah. But, Dude, um, there's a Netflix documentary about those guys that were sat on that thing. They go and find I can do it. Yeah. I didn't yeah. sure I could watch it. But in 50 Things to Do Before You Die, you know, we. we in in the space of sort of like five weeks, I was filming up in the in the Arctic, husky sledding. Saw the Northern Lights. Wow, incredible! Um, you know, and the, and the next minute was down. You know, filming um, on the Orient Express from Venice. Lovely. Um, I mean, it was the most pub. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it's been. I mean, you know, I think it's been absolutely. And have incredible. you taken? I haven't seen a lot of your photographs of all this sort of stuff. Have you taken? Have I, you... I have, but it's not like these days where it's so easy to take photographs and post them. Oh, I wish I'd. Yeah. I wish I'd had. I wish Instagram yeah, had been around yeah. then because that would have been just amazing. Yeah. You think pri privacy is going to become a thing? Do you not think, like in the future, it's going to be a valuable thing to have? Yeah, well, the, your re your real privacy. So what you project onto Instagram costs. But nothing. nowadays, that's everything. Everyone's bunging everything up. But it's on just there. for advertising. Well, I don't know. Is everybody bugging everything on that? It's just a, it's still a, a facet well, of yourself. And all that. It's In all fact, I was having I was having a dinner with a friend uh, the other night, and they were saying that they someone had been posting all year these fabulous holidays that they'd had, all of this, all of that. And then on New Year's Day or New Year's Eve or something, they just said, this was the worst year I've had in my whole <laughs> life. And it's been hell. And yeah. those of you who know me know yeah, what it's been like. No, no, no. But it was just like, but it was verse, you know, the hot dog leg, classic holiday <laughs> snaps and all this and, and everything like that. And actually it was all, this is the worst year of my life yeah. was the yeah, actual summary. I said to somebody about God, like three, four days ago, 
that's what I said, how are you? When I ask somebody how they are, I think, I hope they answer honestly. Because when somebody goes, yeah, I'm fine, I think, you're lying. Isn't the thing now yeah, you made I don't think they immediately do, do they? Because the programme thing to say is, I'm fine, how are you? That's what I mean, but you shouldn't. Isn't the thing now to ask well, twice? You have, yeah, you have to follow up then. Yeah, no, but I got in conversation with him saying, is everything, what, everything, I said to everything perfect? You don't owe anybody any money? You got your, all your bills paid up? Like, he said, no, no, but, you know, you don't tell people. Well, that's a lie, everyone owes somebody that's money. That's what I mean, you should, it was to be so nice. If it wasn't forced, you just went, oh, how are you? And it was as if, like, you were you were genuinely asking somebody, like, I've got some time for you. Yeah. And, to, and then the other person would go, thank you for asking. Do you know what? This is going, oh, I really? think it's more about let's sit down, let's, should we have a coffee, rather than how are yeah, you? Yeah, that's what it should be, because yeah. it's just a noise. It's like saying high five. Well, how are you is a pleasantry now. Isn't yeah. It? yeah, but it shouldn't Instead be. I don't like that rule. I think you should be able to... I'm asking you because I do care. Yeah. Like, and it annoys me when they go... Everyone just go... Because when you she shake them and be like, tell me the truth. <laughs> well, I was perfect, though. They're like, perfect. it's really awkward. <laughs> really awkward in Starbucks. The person's like, so how do I spell Theo on the cup? <laughs> yeah. oh, like, I had to go... I went to the cinema the other day and I went past that McDonald's again where they had all the blocks. I was saying... Oh, and they just say, sit anywhere. And there's a big pile of blocks. And people are just don't give a shit. So again, like the social etiquette we were talking about, but now the companies are saying, yeah, we know you don't care. So look, come into our shop. We really don't have to care. It's so, like, it's so bad. Like we were talking before the podcast, I was speaking to Karem, and uh, how that I knew a girl. Karem is the uh, our producer, oh, the producer, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a girl that I knew that was hired from an extras agency I'm not going to say the name of the company because I know about the laws, but it's obvious. It was a big mobile phone company <clears> that's <throat> not doing too well. And uh, Oh, okay. I think I've worked it out now. I've guessed it. <laughs> and um, she was hired from an extras agency to go and stand in the queue pretending she was going to buy stuff. She was pretty. And to sort of read up on Apple and talk about it. And as it, when the cameras are going to come down. You just said Apple. Is that, that's not the phone company that's failing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a fruit company. It's a fruit, okay, fruit. Fruit oh, doesn't matter anymore. No, well, I'm actually being, we're just talking about the stocks of it. So that's what I'm saying. Oh, but to me, that is so offensive that you would do that. That's no, as I said to him, there's no different than me having somebody say, right, can you walk up and say you've been on the VDUC podcast? It's a great podcast. Tell everyone. That's such a pathetic thing to do. That seems like something that's probably been done since year dot. You know, someone would probably it's be so like, oh. bad. Like, where the role? Who's the per, who's the first person that brought that up? There's a bloke that went probably in the market stall in ancient times. Someone went. Listen, can you walk around telling them that my Whatever. Well, didn't we talk about fake, fake, fake the news best. before? And so was it. We talk, been, and they said fake news has been going on since yeah. Napoleon. And I thought, oh, yeah, actually. So. But if you're proud of what you do, you should uh, tell people yeah. about it, shouldn't you? But not hire fake people to stand. No. I said, as he, because he, he said, look, look, I'm going to keep saying Karam. He said, PR people, that's fine. Have some people with pom poms. But don't hire fake people to pretend that no. they're there to. Just to get your shot of, like, oh, this girl, look, the girl's going into the show. Oh, she's pretty girl's going. That's really crappy. And if you don't have to, if you're not vying for your life, you're a big company, you don't have to do that. But I suppose it is, it's like, it's like uh, ordering an advert, isn't it? That essentially is like, you know, any kind of advertising is hiring fake people, yeah. write a script, show off a product. Yeah, eat the yeah, burger and say it's yummy. Yeah, but see, I don't like that as well because I've only met one person in my life who's an, an, an extra, as you see, a girl. And she said, only person I met, she said, no, I turned turn the thing down because I didn't like what I... And I thought, no, everyone else would sell their soul. Because I get annoyed on adverts where people are 
I'm not going to say company names, but advertising stuff. And I think so you said you, that last time, but <laughs> you immediately dropped it. But then don't advertise that. Like, how much have they had to pay you to do that? That's but, not right. You are putting your face to that. But I know, I know people. But everyone's for sale. I've no actors think. who've turned it down. They've said things like, oh, well, I'm a vegetarian, so even though I don't have to eat, even though I don't have to eat the McDonald's and the advert, I just have to turn up. I'm not going to advertise yeah, good, it too because bloody right. Integrity, you're talking about integrity. Yeah. yeah. We need or, more people like that, though. <laughs> but it seems like everyone's selling their soul. For a click, for an then, click. But if you've got bills to pay, if you've got kids I was to feed, to if you've on, got... doctors talking about so, uh, social media the other day, and he's saying it's so interesting. He said, because the paradigm of social media, it's inbuilt to make you feel insecure. And he said, the thing is, you're never going to be happy because you're always judging how many likes you got from the one before. And you've got this artificial thing in your... Well, oh, I didn't get it then. Why didn't I get it? Oh, I've got to do more. That's a, and you're constantly trying to please somebody that isn't there. Mm. <clears throat> And he was saying about, he actually said that the social media thing now is going to um, pan off. It's going to be plateau. plateau. He said, because what it, he goes into the DNA of the, and he said, it's only, it feeds off of certain people. The demographic is anything, but it feeds off of people that have got deficiencies within themselves. And they liken it back to whoever started them, like the Steve Jobs, the Zuckerberg. These were the people that had social problems and created another world. But what, so what they've done is they've found other people through the social media that feel that way as well. They're not people that feel that comfortable. It was never their sort of main thing. Probably on a subconscious level. I don't know that that's necessarily... No, but what he was saying is he was calling it a virus. Mm. He said, because like any virus, it doesn't get all the hosts. It just finds a certain amount. And he was saying... So you have to wear the blindfolds. Like, <laughs> yeah. There you go. You have to wear the blindfolds. How does that work though? With the, what's that? Like the, the show with the blindfolds? Oh, yeah. So how, how does... Bird box. No, you should watch it. They it's like constantly wear them. Well, you have to. If you see these things, then you you know you, you get affected. So but you're you, constant. But how does the show? How does well, it, you should watch it. You need to watch, watch it. Yeah. But the one thing I say about social media is that, or, or say Instagram, is that um, yeah, people generally put their best lives up there, don't they? Yeah, we've but spoken about this before. You do a hologram of what's slightly better than you, but then everyone only sees that. And the problem with it is, if we all go, oh, they're full of shit. But everyone knows you're, I'm doing the same as them, but it still makes you insecure it's, to seeing the best. It's what, what, but what I found uh, useful this year is that this year I am doing um, a resolution handstand because what I want to do this year is be able to do a freestanding handstand. And uh, I've wanted to do that for a long, long time, but I've never really like done it. So I thought this year I'm going to join. There's a thing called hashtag resolution handstand 2019 that is like global, whatever, people around the globe. And there is a set handstand and drills each day. And but just that's having, quite a dodgy but, thing. But just having the discipline, now that I've joined it, right? So I, I've I, just committing to joining that means you need to post your handstand every day. And just having that commitment and resolution uh, and the fact that I've got to post it every day is making me do it yeah that's a, that's a, that there are good things in social media even if like if that's what makes you do stuff definitely but also just this thing whole thing about putting your best self out there is like one of my friends said to me yesterday oh it's you know because I'm not perfect by any means and it's a bit ungainly and you know you look a bit of an idiot doing it but I don't really care because I just think the fact that I'm going I've I'm putting it up there. It's not so people go, oh my God, you're amazing, Tracy. It's, it's, yeah, they, they, you can see me struggling, but it's making me do it. And you so know, I don't care what... I'm not know. actually against social media. I'm against that part of it where it's just my life on the social media is more important than 
yeah. than normal I think people. Definitely that's yeah. dangerous. And that's why this guy calls it a virus. He said it's spreading throughout and it said it feeds off of certain people that have got that lack inside them. But he said there are, there are only so many demographics of personality type and he thinks it's reached its limit. Really smart. goes like an Aaron. I've like, never heard anybody talk that wise. And I've heard a lot of these social media things, sorry. But um, yeah, he, he, he lays it all out. He talk, talk, talks about demographics of people in different countries and this and that and family structure. And he says the viruses, sort, if we looked at it demographically to what we think viruses are, it's reached, it's sort of, plat- it's going to plateau now, which is, I thought, oh, good. It was just a part. It's not going to poison the whole world. Because that was my problem. The world is going down the bloody toilet. But he said, no, it's, it's limited. There'll to be the another social people. media instead. That'll be it. Different genera- different thing, different generation. Because oh, uh, Facebook is meant to be for older now. and Instagram's for younger, but then now it's Snapchat and then it's this and that and then something else will what come What does Snapchat away. do? No, Snapchat, so, I don't think people are on Snapchat as much anymore. No, it's, it's, where it's you all take, about the Instagram. It's where you take a picture and it's like there for 15 seconds or something. I oh, don't, for God's sake. I tried it for like five minutes. I was like, no, nah, I think I'm not the target. Just yet. anything other than just get on with your life. Like, yeah. what does that do? Well, that's why I like Instagram because you just go, picture done, and then you it's... Um, Fire and forget, mm. essentially. But why are you erasing them after? What is that? Why would that take off? I don't know. Because, well, it, it was. It was really popular. Um, <laughs> because it's, I suppose why? it's quite, you know what's quite nice is actually, I used to use it a little bit with my, my got my daughter, um, who's 13, to teach me when she was 12 how to use it and stuff. <laughs> and actually what was really sweet about it is that if you suddenly got a, if you're thinking about somebody or whatever, you can snap something or snap a funny picture or, or whatever and write a little message, whatever, and ping it to them and they see that. Or at, you see it and then it disappears. Or say, for example, you're out shopping, you see something that would, um, you know, makes you think of somebody or you quite like, you know, you can take that and send it to them. So it it, 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 it is, it very is fun. niche. Oh, that's very niche. So for it to have taken off. Oh, like, it did, it did take off. I, mean, I don't think How it was do you that sell niche. that to the investors? Because I know I've had to sit in front of me and I know questions they get asked of you that you know. But it did. I mean, I don't know how much it got sold for, but it was a huge, yeah, huge, huge amount. Was it part amount. of another company? No, was Snapchat. No. Snapchat. Most Snapchat. of these things start independently Facebook. and then someone else buys it up. So Facebook bought Instagram and WhatsApp, but those started independently. Yeah. Right, yeah. let's get off this subject. <laughs> but how does, I mean, actually, but how does social media, does that ever play a part in sort of commissioning decisions? Is it like how hashtagable is this yeah it definitely does now oh, no. you know it huge yeah it's basically um you know some of my friends have been making the greatest dancer that was out uh, yeah, last night yeah. you know so it's you know you, you you definitely you want that talkability you want um you know you want clips from the show that go viral mm. um there was an amazing young man on it last night did you watch it Andrew? no i haven't seen it the um but i've seen is it the uh, i did see there was somebody trending that was seemed to be singing yeah, out. Yeah, it's like a Susan Boyle moment. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. So definitely, you definitely, it, it, it's it's huge. It's a it's a way of um, is this engage- an auditioning show. Yeah, it's a way of engaging the audience. It's a way of. And were you um, involved in the great? No, stuff? no, it's just that uh, yeah, some yeah, of my friends yeah. have, have been making. But that's it. all an afterthought. Is there any of that goes no, into the process? No, of it? it goes into the process oh, because really? you know you get clips ready to be able to. Um, uh, use as marketing for the show, and you get all. Well, I mean, kind in terms of, extra of developing content. the show from the start, like how it starts, is there anything the social media people come in at the beginning? Well, actually, you know, one of the companies that I work with now is a digital first independent um, me, uh, production company, and they their their original ideas originate often on social media, and oh, then okay, right, uh, and then yeah. grow from there, and then actually after that <laughs> they make the podcast or they make this, and right. then eventually oh, it becomes a TV right, okay, program. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. So yeah, the the two things are are increasingly converged. So we haven't got long left. The um, W WTV. Women of Film and Television. Hang on, I can't. Yeah. Dyslexia. WFTV. Women. 
WFTV. Yeah. W, I can't hold on to the Women in film and television. We know what it is. I can't hold on to the letters in my head. Right, so actually, before we get to that, so have you, uh, the, the, being a woman in the TV industry, before, like, have you had any problems? Did you, you know what? Anything? Again, I think I'm, I'm really um, fortunate to have never had any of those kind of me too type experiences. Um, it's I'll, funny I'll, that you use the word fortunate because then it, because it, 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 I always think, is it so overblown that it's no, the norm isn't that. The norm is people actually quite nice. So, well, I think really in, the, in the, in the <clears throat> part of television that I worked with, um, and it, it, it was run a lot by women, and I'm not saying oh you, that that kind of thing can't happen when when that happens, but it's quite. It um, I don't think I worked in was the television tradition. not that bad. I suppose newspapers and things it was, but I mean <sighs> I t- think this is it a different mindset. The TVs, uh, from what I gather, it seems to be that it was not necessarily a handful, more than a handful of men. But doing committing lots of crimes, right, yeah, you know. So I don't think all people in these industries, because it was the seventies, it was all horrific. I think most people were still nice people. But it's also, I mean, the thing about it is that it's it's the appalling thing of you sort of, you know, there's we got to a point where we went, well, it was the seventies and people, pat, you know, men just patted women yeah. on the bottom, and apparently that was perfectly fine. And you go, and then you go, oh, actually, that's a bit gross. But it was sort of. When was it ever okay to sexually assault? I mean, I know yeah, that is an assault, yeah, but, it's, that's, it's, that's but a, a, a really serious sexual assault. I'm sorry, when was that ever? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> when was that ever like, oh, it was the 70s and people just, you know. So did you even notice any even mild stuff like sexism? I mean, you know what? I've, I, I, I think I've always been, been surrounded by very... My mother's a very strong woman. Um, I've always been quite independent and so much of the hustling, um, like you, yeah. yeah, and also not really. I suppose you know what I. I've always been aware of a patriarchal society that didn't really expect as much from women as men, right. and I've always felt a strong determination to succeed and prove people wrong. I mean, that sounds a bit airy fairy, no, and it probably no, probably is a bit like that, you know. Um, you know, at times there there has been, when I was younger, a sort of perception of, like, middle-aged male arrogance. Um, uh, uh, so I, I think I've always had that. But I, I, I suppose to flip it on its positive side, it was always about, actually, I can do something and I can do something better, you know, better. It, was it wasn't like... That you could I, I, do it, it, it always... I, I just always found a determination to do things, you know, so I wouldn't have let, I wouldn't, but then I was, as I say, I'm fortunate that I never had one of those confidence crushing experiences. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. Um, Because things could be different, couldn't they? So um, with your WFTV, Yay! I nearly got it wrong. Um, So what, it's for people, there was a rule for seven years, you have to have seven years of media experience. I basically, I'm going to be producing the mentoring scheme. Yeah. Uh, the mentoring scheme has been going on for eight years and it takes 20 mid-career women. So they would have had, ex- they've normally had experience in the industry of about 10 years. Um, so they're normally, I'd say, late 30s, and early what, 40s. Any media or from a company? Film, television and digital. Okay, no matter yeah, what. Yeah, so it's everything from 
it's uh, you know everything from camera operators to um, writer directors to TV producers, develop casting directors. Uh, people who work on the business side of and the, the industry. Seven year, was it that specific seven years? They have to have at least seven years' experience, yeah, because there are different schemes for different people, but this is particularly for mid-career women. So they will have had um, some successes and some achievements, and it might be that they've, they're either at crossroads and not sure which direction to go, or they feel that they've hit a bumper and can't quite right, go yeah. further, or that they've been trying, trying, and trying, but they're just not breaking through. So would it be something, um, someone's trying to make the transition from uh, producer to to something like your job, yes. so a commissioner. that kind of thing, yeah. To, okay, because yeah. I was kind of curious about that, because I thought, yeah. well, if they've got seven years' experience, they're probably doing quite, quite <laughs> yeah. well, you know, yeah. uh, uh, but obviously, you well, know, it's you not know, a break-in. Well, you know, the, the common so. themes of people who, you know, I, what, what, what's brilliant about it and uh, about a lot of the work, because I, um, I do a lot of work in terms of really, I, I guess, unleashing people's excellent excellence, is because I see so many talented people who are burdened by their own bricks of lack of self-belief or self-imposed limitation and if they didn't spend if they didn't have to spend the energy you know shouldering those two blocks they would be able to really fly forth and so this this is really about helping those women um be propelled to even greater heights and this is every year this every year it happens and it's a, a six month um it's a six-month scheme where they, they each get matched uh, with a industry mentor. Mm. Um, they can be women <coughs> or, or men. Um, they get uh, uh, six months uh, worth of sessions with their mentor. But also, we run seminars and workshops and um, sort of uh, just basically sessions based on really helping them develop their uh, knowledge of their their USP how to present how to really go for what they want and so how long have you been doing that I've been doing this since no 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 I've just started so I started in November I took over from the lady November who's been just doing gone. yeah oh right yeah, yeah. so um, like what would be the problems like what have you has you noticed anything like what's the main like I mean you've said stuff already that, about carrying the, your own burden I think it's that it's like um Oh, it is. I mean, we don't we don't necessarily take people who just want contacts yeah, or yeah, want no, funding. Yeah, yeah. It's more fundamental than right, that. Okay. It's more that people have got great potential, but they just can't. Ex, you know, right. real. So it's not a training it. scheme. It's about f- specifically to yes. your personality. Yeah, yeah. It's, and, and everyone and is really, particularly after, different. After seven years of in the industry, what are you finding? People have still got baggage about themselves, or no? It's not. Uh, it might be. Um, what would it be? I mean, because we've got 20, 20 of these ones. Um, so there's nothing that sort of always seems to be the same sort of I'd problem. say the common denominators are what people call confidence. Really? After yeah. seven years? Still... And confidence can mean very, very many different things. A lot of the time it's, 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 it's a lack of recognising your own talent. So people bury it or they negate it. Or they think it's I'm not that great. Yeah. Uh, another thing is about marketing yourself and getting yourself out there and networking. Right, feeling comfortable. Is not having the confidence thing, yeah. to go up to somebody and say, you know, uh, I'm this, that, and the other. You know, um, or even you know things like if you're a, a brilliant director but you don't have a um, uh, an up to date uh, LinkedIn or show uh, or Instagram or or portfolio that you so can filling in a lot of gaps. It, it's that not, add up to yes. a big thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw on the on the on the site. I don't know how current it is that eight percent of directors are women. 
Is that right? Probably, yes, if that's on the site. Which yeah. is, yeah. Which I, is, I mean, I wasn't sure how, you know, it might have been old from 2000, you know. Yeah. But that's going to speed up very quickly now. That's going to, I reckon, next 20 so. years. You would hope so, but. Yeah. I mean, uh, so, uh, why uh, televisions, film television has been around for yeah, but you come years. from an era, so film, that era is know. over, and now we're moving on. So it will, and it, it's, it's going very fast. Things are changing very fast. So I can see that changing quite quickly. No, you don't think you no. think they still hold on? Well, I think, think a generation once that generation. I don't know because it was all meant to be when Catherine Bigelow won the Oscar. It was like, oh, here we go, and then there's been what two or three nominations. I think, yes, even exactly. Since, even still... if that, I mean, yeah, women, still women directors have won best documentary, but not. Apart from Catherine Bigelow, she's the only one to win. But also, you think from the yeah, very off, still got that there's only those echelons that... of that still hanging hanging around. Yeah. Once they're gone, no, I don't know. I'm... We've got the WTF. <laughs> yeah, but it was uh, yeah exactly. But it was just. But that's it was, why we're still needed. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I suppose, suppose women yeah. in film and television are hoping that one way it won't be. Won't oh, be I certainly expect. Yeah. I certainly expected it to be low. I certainly thought like, oh, it's yeah, not but that you're be, surprised. But I'm like, that wow, eight, not even t- one <laughs> in not ten. Even 50, not even, yeah. yeah, you know, I thought like <laughs> yeah, oh, it might be. Quite, yeah. I, it might be twenty thirty. But you're like, wow, that's not even. You know. So with, what have you got planned for the future then? Oh, I've got lot, so much. lots I mean, of different things. So um, I'm uh, currently media consulting for two independent companies. Um, and I've, I've got another role, but I can't um, announce it yet. Okay. But with a, it's quite a... Yeah, a we, don't get the we don't get the exclusive. Unfortunately not, because they haven't... Uh, oh, okay. Uh, but are you uh, making something or are you, are no communi- are you? no but it's it's yeah yeah i'll let you are know you, are you sort okay. of much more on the commissioning side or do you think you'll ever be up skyscrapers again um or? well actually on one of the programs that i'm um consulting on i'm actually uh in the edit which is great to be part oh, of that edit. creative process but the but the the you know the other media consulting that i'm doing is is really advising a company on their um commercial and growth strategy oh, and their their USP and how okay. to uh, how to um, what their uh, how, how they come across to the market and what their potential is. So I because I so I now have you know have a solid background in creative, but also a huge amount of commercial knowledge. Yeah. Um, and then and then the other thing is that I'm doing is that I am um, have started exec coaching. Um, so I've been working with the Coaches Training Institute to become a coactive coach. So I am already coaching quite a few people um, and companies, and that is really about um, how in, how to have the most fulfilled life. That is about living in alignment with your values and really understanding what makes you tick and what makes you get out of bed in the morning. Who your saboteurs are, you know those voices that say mm-hmm. you'll never do that, you'll do that, mm-hmm. and. Um, really sort of helping people to uh, come up with solutions to tackle their perceived obstacles. I was, yesterday I was in the gym and I was talking to someone and, and I was asked, he, he, one of the few people that asked me something, he said, can you help me do that? And I said, first thing I said, you've got to understand your body as a, like a, 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 this again, we'll go on my headstone. Your body is not on your side. Your body, your mind, everything wants to be safe. It doesn't want you to take any risk. It doesn't want you to do anything. And even to do with the training, it doesn't want it to hurt. It wants to do all the things that don't hurt. So you have to, once you get that into your head, that my body is not on my side, I have to fight 
forward and I have to manipulate it to go against things. I know it's going to do certain things. So I have to, what they call it, like the Ulysses impact. I have to put things in place to make sure I'm not going to do certain things. It's so important, like a big thing that you carry the weight of yourself, like mm-hmm. dragging you back because it's constantly trying to keep you safe. But you have to sort of realize that and the world opens up before you. Mm. So that's the kind of message of WFTV, I suppose, is it? I mean, I think it is. It's that it's, it's really to become unburdened and and to unleash your excellence. Yeah. You know, that's 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 what I feel. My, you know, I've had a brilliant, brilliant um, time in in television, and I still will continue. But there's a massive part of me that is now devoted to helping people uh, really get rid of those so burdens. Because the, co- the coaching you're doing isn't just just for media and film. No, it's for people. No, it's yeah. all walks of life. But I do a lot of media. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've got a couple of women in film and television. This other role that I can't um, announce yet, uh, media consulting and exec coaching. And all of it is about really helping people to live brilliantly because they've got... It's like, you know, like, you know when that, that experiment that's supposed to happen when you drop a dirty penny into a thing of Coke, um, Coca-Cola, yeah. and, you know, all that scum goes it, yeah. and you those bright, shiny penny bright shiny penny underneath I, I believe that there, there's so many people who are those bright shiny pennies and with a bit of help we'll just get rid of all that scum and shine forth and that's that's what I am um, that's what I'm devoted to doing oh, wow. so yeah whether if, it's individuals companies or whatever that's what I want to do so just to go back to sort of really utilitarian advice you're 18 female or male now you've left college you left university, you want to get involved in the media. Well, as an example, I heard on the radio a couple of weeks ago, somebody was giving some advice to a journalist and she said, oh, my teacher's telling me this, my tutor's telling me this, and she's a broadcaster. She said, you know what you should do? Learn a language that nobody's ever heard of because one day a story will come up and they'll say, (laughs) does anybody speak Azerbaijan? And you will pop up and that will rocket you up. And I thought that's, you won't, they won't tell you that, Scott, but that's an amazing piece of advice. So, like I say with Tim, the time out that did the mag- interview for the magazine, perfect. He said to me, he said in the interview, uh, so it's Tim Martha, I'm the CEO, or, or used to be time out. He said, it's hard to say no to people that you really like. And I thought, genius. That's, that's 50 years. of t- Nothing to do with, well, study that, get your A-level, and just, it's more difficult to say no to somebody that you really like them. So you're 18, male or female, you left the school, uni, whatever. What advice would you tell you? Not the media quit. What, what would you say? Right, listen, don't do that. Trust me, do this. You know, one of the things I'd say is um, charming. And you can't say, I was going to say, don't be, be yourself because they're not going to listen to that. Don't, so work, be, don't be yourself. No, no, not you know listen. what? One of the things that I've worked out, and I can't remember whether I've heard it, whether it's somebody else's or not, but charming people are charmed, which means that if you want to really win people over, yeah. The best thing to do is to be charmed by them. And that means, in a practical right, yeah. term, you know, be really, really curious about people. Ask them questions. Ask what they I said to somebody last week. I said, you, like, you can train yourself. I, I was quite sort of misanthropic, but I, I, I trained myself because I thought people were terrible. That's like, well, and I trained myself to be interested in people. And then when I, I was forcing myself to do it, like faking it, and then you start finding out people are interesting. And then you go, oh, there's all these amazing people. Like I was in a restaurant um, a hotel two weeks ago and I was talking to somebody and they were saying about, oh, how did you get everything moving? Like you don't know anybody. And I said, so there's a load of people in the, the, the house. I said, right, 
if somebody come over to us but wanted to ask something of us, and but that you heard they knew you they were going, oh, I can't. They look, you know, he looks dangerous. How weird would you feel that you go? Oh, it's just us. They're just you. Everyone's just you, and they're all a mate. Don't all... interrupt me while I'm having my dinner. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, wait, but, wait but you look at people and you, that, you instantly that. go, oh, "Better not." But you go, "No, they're you. <laughs> they're you." So everyone are fairly decent people. So when you know that, then the world opens because you go, "Well, I can go and ask you that, and I can ask for things." I mean, I think there's like a, a lot of those sort of um, sayings, like "feel the feel feel the fear and do it anyway," yeah, and uh, "fake it till you make it." But I think what you're talking about is absolutely true because of a lot a lot of people. Who who say, you know, if you go to the Edinburgh TV Festival or you go into a big room and everybody knows each other and you feel a bit awkward, whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, everybody's feeling the same. Yes, but you'd, you'd you go know, in and you say, listen, and talk to somebody. I feel really awkward about it. But it's like what I said about the magazine. When I first started it, people that were <clears throat> editors of newspapers for like a lot of years were saying to me, don't tell them about your background because you're not going to get anybody to help you. Don't tell them you can't, you only learned to read a couple of years ago and you're about to. And I thought, as an insecure person, it fed into that. I was like, yeah. oh, of course. Yeah, and in that's fact, why. that's your USP. So then eventually I just got four <laughs> years, two years, just threw, thrown away, meetings after meeting after meeting. And then I thought, this is bollocks. And so then I'd say, that's what I'd say to people, go, look, I don't know nothing. I, I literally just learned to read. I don't know. Authenticity. Yeah. And then people come out of the woodwork and started helping. But so when people say, how did you know to go here or speak to them? I was, it was like uh, uh, Orson Welles said when he started Citizen uh, um, Kane, he said it was ignorance. I didn't know I couldn't pull the lights down. Yeah. No one told me I couldn't. That was literally the only thing that saved me was I didn't know I couldn't go up to timeout and knock on the door and say, can I speak to the CEO? I didn't know you had to go to uni and get the thing. Well, you didn't, did you? yeah. But that's literally self what... Imp- self-imposed limitations. I can't even take yeah. some sort of pride out of the yeah. fact it was just stupidity. I yeah. didn't know the rules. So when you go... People are pretty nice, down to the fact of just in, like I said, in a room of people, just find someone and say, listen, I feel really out of place. I don't know. You seem to know everyone. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm it's really basically being at the school disco, isn't it? And who's going to be the first one across the floor? And Yeah, but it's that confidence to just let it go. Stop churning up in your head what the problems, they're yeah. not there. They don't exist. Yeah. Um, so is that, that you'd say... Charming people are charmed. I yeah. think that's one to... And, and then I suppose my other one would be believe you can achieve and you will. Yeah, with that, that's the fake that is a bit of a problem. I always see... I only learn from people. I went for all personal development it was a load of bollocks, didn't you? Everyone seemed to be lying. Um, but I, I read up on people that had done things in life, just read up on them. So I knew it had existed. Scientifically, it's already existed. People have come from worse background and had more. So that to me was like study people that have done it. They've done it it's because then you go, okay, I'm not trying to kid myself. It exists here. In fact, that's why I said I've done everything. Well, I've done everything. So I, I, I placed a paradigm that, well, he went from that to that mm. with nothing. Didn't know how to do shoelaces. Didn't brush his teeth properly. Didn't know how to read. Because then that story stays around forever the magazine will go the podcast will go but the story stays around and that's what made me learn about the world was when i heard like malcolm x mm. learned to read in prison and studied copied out the dictionary which is what i did it was just the fact he'd gone from pimp which is what i could relate to low level disgusting stuff to that so that was my proof to go oh no matter how bad you feel or whatever it's already, but you can come from that to that. Mm. 
And they say people don't need money, they need inspiration. That's mm. what it, you want the money. You think that's what it is, and it's not. If you know it's been done, you think it's fine. So if you come from a very well to do family and they're all lawyers and one's an Olympic athlete, you think, oh, it's possible. Yeah, so you believe you can yeah, achieve. But you carry the weight of who are you. So when I put, like I said, the X as my surname, that's not bollocks. That was, well, one, the Malcolm X thing, that's how I learned. That's how I decided to learn. <clears throat> but it's also a mathematical equation for the unknown. Because my thing was, if you just let it all go, if there's nothing behind you, I, I, I haven't got any references for family or anything like that, then you go, well, I can do anything then. Because I'm not a person that's only come from a family of this or family mm. of that. But you have to... Now, again, it was all accidental with me, so I didn't like, try to do that. But I just realised from seeing other people... So I would say that if you are trying to spice it or let go of certain things... Why I said about talking normally on the podcast, you have to learn there aren't special people. I keep coming back to this. They're quite normal. And that's why I say I'm always going to be honest about the worst parts of my life, not give you the rags, the riches, bollocks, because then it's normalized. Oh, they're not special. They're just like, yeah, they worried. They cried. They were unhappy about this and that. So when I was saying to you about like this, this, the shops that you worked in, it's normalising, yeah, I had a shitty job doing that. And eventually... But it wasn't a shitty job, I loved it. You know, oh, yeah. thing, you know. I love the bakery and I love broth. I can't eat free cakes, yeah. I can't eat fresh creams anymore. <laughs> um, well, you've done a lot, so would you, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, would you say this has been another career highlight for you coming onto the video? It's been fantastic, <laughs> and I want to make sure I get some, the, some pictures oh, yeah. of us in action. So that, uh... okay. Oh, so you, are you a bit of a photographer as well? You said you did oh, photography, yeah. this looks professional. Does it? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I got that soon, because, um, you know, I want to start, um, you know, creating a little bit more content for my oh, uh, uh, my Instagram and all that kind of thing. And actually, yeah, you know, all, I've, about all, all, all I've got is... your background. There wasn't that much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I need to do more, <laughs> yeah. really. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, all I've got is my, my smartphone. So I wanted to oh, get okay. a proper Invest camera. It a and more. it's been brilliant. Yeah, we've loved it. There you go. Loved Career it, highlight. Yeah. That'll stick that on the album cover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, listen, Tracy, thank it's you very, very much. Well. You're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. You've been listening to the Via Lucci podcast, recorded in London with your hosts, Tom Wheelahan, Theo X, and myself, Shani and Darren. To get in touch with the show, go to vialucci.com and follow the links. So, until next time, be good to each other, be good to yourself, and have a great day. Watching shadows on the wall, and the bottom screen that's gone. I'm in the corner with my head in the dream. To myself, I quietly think so many things to get you all. In the cup, and I'll scoff and take another drag of my cigarette. I don't mind if the sun don't shine Cloudy weather suits me fine Pour another glass of wine On the ball tonight I think I'll be a superstar